to go back to their teen years? Is that a, you know, it's crazy um, to think about all the things that our kids go through during adolescence. And if you've worked with teenagers or if you have parented a teenager or are currently parenting a teenager, then you can probably relate with the mom in this video. But I, do, I love how she closes out this video. And it's something that as Christian adults we can take with us. And that is the fact that our teenagers need our help. They need us. It's not something um, they will verbalize often. Some do, but not, not, most of them will not ever say that they really need us. But they do. Um, and please notice, I didn't say parents need to help their teenagers or their kids. I said we. I said us. All of us. As Christian adults, we need to help our kids. As most of you know, I'm finishing up um, my doctorate at Fuller Seminary, and my doctorate's in youth, family, and culture. And part of my final project is actually this sermon here today. And so I'm going to try to sum up three years of research and a 150-page paper into the next two hours. Um, <laughs> kidding. We're going to get it much faster. This should be like a three- or four-week thing, but we're doing it in like 15, 20 minutes. We're going we're gonna to fly through. Um, but... So over the last few years, I have learned more and more about adolescent development and the needs of middle and high school students during um, that time period or during this time period that they're in right now. And usually when you hear a sermon or a speech, um, you, you'll hear the main point toward the end of the sermon. But I'm going to get it out right at the very beginning. Um, I'm going to give it to you right now. It, it's one of the points that should not surprise you if you've heard me speak before. Um, if you are a parent and you get emails from me, it won't surprise you. Or if you're one of our small group leaders, it definitely won't surprise you. Because it's something I've been saying for years. And the more research and the more studying that I have done, the stronger that I feel about it. And it's something that is so simple. And it's something that I've already shared once already this morning. The biggest need of our teenagers absolute top of the mark what they need most in the world is adults in their life that care about them adult guidance who actually love them and care about them now if you're like me growing up i thought every parent was like my parent i, I just assumed that i've worked in the church for over 20 years with teenagers i've had thousands of students and i'm here to tell you None of them have the same parents that are like my parents. None of them are identical to my parents. So if you got in your mind, well, they should be fine. My, my parents were great. I had great parents. Um, that's not every kid. Every kid here is not the same. Every student that comes through our doors, especially in Boca. Uh, I grew up in South Carolina. And my church, that, my home church that I went to was about two miles down the road. And on my way to church, like we'd go every Sunday and Wednesdays, and on my way to church, we would pass eight other churches. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. I counted them the other day. There's literally one right across the street from my parents' house. We would pass eight churches in a two-mile radius. And that was, that's the way, if you've been in the South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, um, those areas, that's normal. In fact, it was odd if you didn't go to church when I was in high school and middle school. Like, it was strange if you were not someone whose family went to church. That's not the case in Boca Raton. Um, I mean, there, there are so many religions that are represented in this small area. The Jewish population is huge. Um, there's a mosque that's a mile down the road. Uh, there are so many different things that I never grew up with that, my, that I didn't know anything about until I moved here. And 
I say all that to say that our kids are being told a lot of different stuff by a lot of different people. Some of them are their good friends, which is perfectly fine. Um, and they're hearing all these things from other people. And oftentimes they don't get the adult involvement. And sometimes even their parents. We have kids that don't come to our youth group until they're in high school because their parents are Jewish or Muslim. Um, and they don't have the choice until they're in high school whether or not they come to our church or go to church. They get the choice then. And it blows my mind. I never had that when I grew up. But that's the reality of where we live in this little bubble that we live in in Boca Raton, Florida. Um, and so over the years, I've been studying throughout, and something that Dr. Clark, who is uh, the main person, that my main professor at Fuller, came up with um, is something he calls adoptive youth ministry. And adoptive youth ministry is something that's been developed over the last few years especially, but it's actually, in actuality, it's something that God has intended for the church, for us, for the capital C church, um, since sending Jesus. Paul tells us, in fact, in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, if you have a Bible, you can flip to it. If you have a Bible app, that's perfectly fine to use. Um, we're going to come back to that verse a few times. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. And it says that you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but you are fellow citizens with God's people, and you are also members of his household. Guys, before Jesus came, we were not a child of God. Now, granted, we weren't alive before Jesus came. But the people before Jesus, um, they were not part of God's family. He was not their father. God was not their father. But now that Jesus came, he, and if we put our trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he has made us one of his siblings. He has made us a brother or a sister to Jesus, thus making God our father. We are now included in the family of God. We are welcomed. We are accepted. We are embraced. We are empowered. And we are united with God as our Father. Adoptive youth ministry helps students, helps middle high school students, and, and older actually. Um, it helps them and adults come side by side as brothers and sisters in Christ, equally adding value to the church. One of my favorite books is written by Mark Canister, and um, the name of the book is Teenagers Matter. That makes sense that it would be one of my favorites. Um, I'm the youth pastor here, by the way, for those that don't know. I'm Derek. If you're looking for Jason, he's, he's not here today. Um, sorry, I didn't, I didn't even, I should have been at the very beginning, but it's all right. I figured you figured out I was a youth pastor when I started talking about teenagers. Um, but one of my favorite books is uh, by Mark Canister, and it's called Teenagers Matter. And he reminds youth workers. Now, youth workers would be someone like me who is the youth pastor, but it also would be anyone who helps out in the youth ministry, other adults. We have about 10 to 12 adult leaders that help out on Sunday nights. Um, we have countless chaperones during the summer that go on trips with us, like 20, 30 range. Um, they, they would all kind of qualify under this same thing as youth workers. And in his book, he, said, he reminds youth workers that this is a call to meet students where they are on life's journey and to walk them through the seamless process of discovering Christ, growing in Christ-likeness, and developing a lifelong relationship with Jesus and his bride, which is the church. But this calling is not just for youth workers. It is also the responsibilities of all of the adults inside the church. The fear is that the segregation of our youth, 
Now, when I say segregation, I mean that we have separated them into their own space from the rest of the church. Meaning we have, we didn't do it, we did it before I got here and we've changed it since I've been here. Um, youth used to not even be in worship. They, they were segregated from the rest of the adult community in the church. They were in the teen center. They had Bible studies throughout worship time. Um, something that I got rid of when I started here, mainly because of what I'm sharing this morning. Um, but because that happened back about 20, 30 years ago, um, the church decided, hey, we have all these teenagers showing up. I think we should probably create um, something for them specifically during the worship time. That, that was the thought process about 20, 30 years ago. And nothing wrong with that. I mean, it actually sounds pretty great. Hey, we need something for our teenagers. That makes sense, right? Um, it's, it was done out of perfect, like, it was, it was a good idea. Um, but what it ended up doing was taking our teenagers from the adults in the church. And it segregated them into their own little shells over in a different building or a different space. And what that has done is that it led the adults in the church to a place where we don't even realize the splendor of the body of Christ to which we are missing with our youth being separated from us. Now this is taken a little bit further in a book called Starting Right where the author says that youth ministry is not an appendage of the body. Rather, it is an expression of the entire church caring for a specific group of people. So I don't know if you've seen the little um, Mickey Mouse ears things where you have the church as a big circle in the middle, and you got a Mickey Mouse ear where it's youth ministry, another one that says worship, another one that's um, children's ministry, senior adult ministry, young adult ministry, whatever. you got all the different little ministries of the church, and the church is in the center. Um, that's not what youth ministry should look like. It should not be appendage of the church. It's not what any of those things around should look like. In fact, you should move all those rabbit ears inside the church circle, because we're all together on this. Senior adults, youth, all, the, all of it. It should be together. They're not an appendage of the church. It should be an expression of the whole body caring for the youth ministry. Adolescents, they need an adult community who will love them appropriately with great care. This is the call of the church. Young adolescents who are in middle school, that's our middle school age people, they need several secondary families that they can turn to when they have um, struggles that they come up to. And middle adolescents, which are high school students, they need a safe place where they can explore peer relationships, but also they need to know that there are adults that are in the wings ready at a moment's notice if something goes wrong or they need help in any way. And older adolescents, which believe it or not, this is shocking um, to me, at least it was when I started reading it, uh, older adolescents now almost goes into the 30s. Um, brain development has slowed down. I don't know why. I don't have the reasons of why brain development has slowed that much. Um, but it has slowed to the fact where some late adolescence now actually goes into the 30s. Um, but the point is, youth ministry, which kind of blankets all that stuff, is everybody's job. Simply put, the church is not the true bride of Christ unless all ages, all genders, all ethnicities, all socioeconomic groups, etc., are present together. And this is what adoptive youth ministry does. It breaks down the walls that have been constructed over the last 80 years with the birth of age-specific ministries. It was about 80 years ago when youth ministry became a thing. Adults connecting with students. Ignite Student Ministries 
is the ministry here at Grace for our, for our youth. And if we could have a mission statement, which I guess I could have a mission statement, um, but if we had a mission statement, I think it would be what I just said a moment ago. Adults connecting with students. In fact, that was the goal of youth ministry since its inception. But somewhere along the way, throughout these years, it has morphed into youth, pa- youth pastors connecting with students. We decided, not we, I wasn't part of this we discussion, um, back 40, 50, 60 years ago that we needed youth pastors and children's pastors to come in and let them be the ones as the adult body to connect with our students. Now, I'm not saying we don't need youth pastors. <laughs> Please don't hear that. Um, <laughs> what I am saying it simply means that the adults are a, valuable, are a valuable entity to our students' spiritual well-being. Valuing students means that uh, we as adults in the church need to embrace and encourage them to not only attend worship, not only to be a part of a worship service setting, which is important, don't get me wrong. I encourage any student who wants to go to the Bible study, if they're only coming during this hour, to come to worship rather than to the Bible study um, because I, would, I want them to get to know some of you guys. And there's a lot more students in the early service, um, which makes sense because uh, it's over there and they're used to that building and things like that. Um, but it's not just about them attending worship. It's about us as adults empowering them and allowing them to lead us in worship as well. And that's something that uh, back in the day, I think we used to do like a youth Sunday or a youth takeover thing. And that's another thing that I stopped when I got here because it shouldn't be a, a special. It should not be a, oh, that's special. The kids are up there leading worship. That should be a normal thing. That should be a normal thing seeing students lead worship. And they do. Uh, Julia was up here singing with us this morning. Um, that is not, uh, here at Grace, we do that. Uh, we do try to empower our students, and we value having them up here. And the reason we do that is because it's not their age that makes them valuable. It's not your age that makes you valuable. It's that they, too, and we, too, are brothers and sisters in the same family, and we need to all be treated, create, treated, good gracious. We all need to be treated equally. Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it beautifully when he wrote that we are bound together by faith, not by our experience. Our faith in Christ is what gives our young and our old a platform to stand on and to be heard. One of the foundational points of adoptive youth ministry is that we are adopted into God's family as a child with other children. The passage from Ephesians 2.19 says, again, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So not only are we a child in God's family, but we are joined with all the Christians worldwide from Christ, from when Christ was here until he returns again. The family of God needs to be together, young and old. Cheryl Sanders, in her book, Ministry at the Margins, acknowledges that youthful enthusiasm is a great gift to the church, particularly in its worship and in its music. But enthusiasm must be balanced with wisdom. 
So don't leave here being like, oh, Derek only likes teenagers. That's not the case. I value adults. In fact, that's what this whole thing is about, is about you guys. It's about the adults in the church, not the students in the church. The older generation brings wisdom and life experience to the church, while the younger generation brings enthusiasm and energy. Both are assets to the body of Christ, and they both help his bride, which is the church, shine all the brighter. So to sum up adult, adoptive youth ministry, we're going to turn once again to Dr. Clark, who said, the goal of youth ministry as adoption is for every child, every adolescent, every young adult to be so embraced by the community of faith that they always will know that they have a home, that they will have a people, and that they have a place where they can discover who they are and how they are able to contribute to the whole body of Christ. So guys, what does that mean for you sitting here in the pews today? That's all well and good, um, but what does that mean? As I said at the beginning of the sermon, um, the biggest need for adolescents today are caring adults. They need it more than a new iPhone. They need it more than new AirPods or more followers on Instagram. It's adults in their life that care about them and treasure them. So how do we do that? So if you're there, you're like, oh, Derek, that sounds great. But how, what am I supposed to do? Um, how, how can I do that? There are actually a lot of different things you can do. For some of you in here, it may be coming on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night when our students are meeting here at the church and um, maybe helping with one of our life groups or helping set up the dinner because we feed our students every single time they're in our, in our church. Um, it's a lot of food we go through. Um, or maybe just standing at the door and greeting. I, I said it in the last service. Mark, I don't think you're over here. Mark Walters, um, he started volunteering with the youth ministry about six months ago. And how did he get to know all the students? He stands at the door with me and Allie, and he greets them every time they walk through the door. He gets to know every kid and see every kid who walks through our door. Sorry, I don't like to call them kids. Um, our teenagers. Uh, every time they walk through the door to get to know them. Or maybe if you don't, if that doesn't like, oh, that doesn't sound great. Um, maybe you want to give up a week of your summer and join us as we take 100 plus students to beach camp um, up in South Carolina. Or maybe you want to go on a mission trip with us this summer as we go to Huntsville, Alabama to help people um, with some construction projects at their homes. Uh, we are always in need of more chaperones and more adults on these trips. And I'll be honest with you, I believe that our adults have just as much fun as our students do on these trips. Because frankly, youth ministry is a lot of fun. We have a good time. We sent out, uh, we did these boxes for our teenagers that have been to our church in the last year. We sent them out in January of this year. And we sent out 160 boxes of teenagers that have been through our door in the last year. Um, and in the last three weeks, we've had like 10 or 15 more students that have shown up. Um, so that number is growing every single day. If we had that many kids come through the door, it's because we're having fun. They're enjoying what they're, what they're coming to. And we have a lot of fun, and we get to learn about Christ in the process, which makes it even better, in my opinion. Um, but I know, I know most of you aren't going to take me up on those two offers. That doesn't mean I'm giving you a way out right now. Like, if you want to do one of those two things, please text me or email me. Um, you can tell me after the service, but please text me or email me because I'll probably forget after the service. Um, lots of other stuff happening. Um, 
But I know you may not take me up on those two offers because it can be a little intimidating to be around teenagers. I know that. I have a profession that a lot of people are scared of teenagers. I don't know why. It blows my mind, but I've worked with teenagers since I was a teenager, so uh, I've, I've done it a long time. But if you're not going to take me up on those two, I want to encourage you to do one thing. I want to encourage you to attempt to get to know at least one of our students. Um, that's, I think it's an easy thing to do. A few weeks or a few years ago, I went to a conference where a woman was speaking about youth ministry and she showed this amazing video and I searched the internet all week this week trying to find this video. I could not find it to save my life. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you what the video was. It, was. it was a video of a church who decided to kind of adopt, for lack of a better term, um, two baseball teams. And they were, they were young kids, eight, nine years old. And so they got, to, they got the rosters, so they got all the kids' names. They made posters. About 100 people went to this, this game when they were playing each other. They made posters, and they made these kids feel like they were playing a baseball game in the World Series. Every time they got up to play, they were all cheering. Whether it was a hit, whether it was a strikeout, it didn't matter. They weren't cheering for one team or the other. They were cheering for both teams just to make them feel like the most important kids on the face of this earth. How awesome of an image of that is that of the church? If the church did that for the students. This past Wednesday, Thursday, sorry, um, Boca High played Spanish River for, uh, to go to the semifinals of the state playoffs in soccer. We had two students play in that game, one on Spanish River, one on Boca High. How great would it have been if we had 20 or 30 adults from this church just there to support those, those two young men? Just not to cheer for one team or the other, but just to encourage them and make them feel all so important about what they're doing out there. Jason preached a few months ago now about how many students are leaving the, minute, leaving the church after graduating from high school and going to college. How much more difficult would it be to leave a place where you feel so ingrained that that many people care about me as a person? Um, in our last service, I, I, I said, for example, what if we had a sixth grader, um, and Evan was in the last service, and I said, Evan, what if I introduced Evan to one of you guys? Like, at sixth grade, you said, hey, I want to get to know Evan, so I, I let you get to know Evan. I, I introduce you guys, and you pray for Evan every, every day or whenever you um, want to pray for Evan, and you get to know him through his sixth grade year, and you keep that going. But then in seventh grade, we then get somebody else to get to know Evan. And then eighth grade, we get another person to get to know Evan. And all of a sudden, by the time he graduates high school, he's been in this church for seven years or program in seven years. He has seven people or families that know him and are praying for him. On top of that, he has a youth pastor. On top of that, he has 10 to 12 adult leaders that are in um, life groups, and he has 20 to 30 adults that are going on trips with him. That's almost 40 people, 50 people, whatever you want to get to. Um, 50 people that know and love Evan. They know his likes, his dislikes. They know when he has a test coming up because they pray, they're praying for him and constantly asking, what can we pray for you for? Guys, that is an, a beautiful image of how we as a body of believers, can help raise our kids. You know the saying, it takes a village to raise a kid. But are we doing that? I'm not going to ask a show of hands, but 
and I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty, but how many, how many of you know a teenager that comes to this church? There's 160 plus. I want to encourage you to get to know one of our students. They are amazing people. I love them to death. And I said it in the last service, and uh, it, it was corrected to me, and I'm glad it was corrected to me. Uh, and it was your husband that corrected me, Dan. He came up to me. Because um, I said that they are the church of the future, but they're not the church of the future. They're the church now because we are part of the church. They are part of the church, and they're our kids. And they need adults they're crying out for adults. They have so much stuff that is pulling them in all different directions. And I just imagine Evan, who's in sixth grade now, getting to his graduation day as a senior and having 20 to 30 people asking for a ticket to come to graduation so they can see him walk across the stage. And across the board, because there's more sixth graders than just Evan. There's a lot of them, it turns out. Um, so if you're interested, I'm not going to check you up on you. I'm not going to make you do this, obviously. Um, I hope you heard it, and I hope you hear my heart for our kids, and I hope that you can um, maybe want to do that. And if you do, I want to encourage you just to email me. Um, say, I'd like to get to know one of our kids. I'm not going to give you a kid's phone number. Uh, that's not happening. Uh, but if they want to give it to you later down the road. But I would like to introduce you to them, um, maybe give you a little history that I know about our kids. Um, because it takes more than me and Allie and our 10 adult leaders uh, to get to know these kids and to make them feel valued and wanted in the church. So if any of those things are something that interests you, I want to encourage you to reach out to me. My information can be found on the church website. Um, is the easiest place uh, to find it. But I want to encourage you to reach out to me if you want to do that. And again, it doesn't matter how old you are. Um, you all have grandkids or kids or great-grandkids even, uh, these kids are um, so great. And I just, pr I just hope that you'll want to get to know some of them. And you never know. We may make a dent in the students leaving the church after they graduate with something like that. Um, so in a moment, I'm going to pray. And then if any of you have anything that you'd like for us to pray for you, Lori's going to be over here on this side. I'll be over on this side. Um, if you have anything going on in your life that you want us to pray for. It doesn't have to be with related to what I just talked about. It can be about anything. Uh, we'd love to be praying for you, and uh, we'll be available to pray with you uh, in just a few moments. But let's pray together. Mm -hmm.